0: I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, March 2nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. We've got a solo episode for you today, but to start, I just want to take a quick look at the market. So the S&P 500, it's down, and now that I'm looking at it from year to date, it's down 10%, and a lot of that has been due to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. But what's interesting is that if you look at the cryptocurrency markets, right now they are way up. Bitcoin is up 15.98%, almost 16% over the period of the past five days. Ethereum is up 13.33% over the past five days. And the question I have is, Are we finally starting to see the separation of cryptocurrencies and the public markets? Usually, they would move together. If the S&P 500 was up, cryptocurrencies were up as well, and vice versa. But now we're starting to see this divergence where the S&P 500 isn't doing so great, and cryptocurrency markets are up. And so, anyways, just something to keep your eye on. It's a pretty interesting phenomena. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated here on The Peak Daily, but I just thought it was interesting and worth sharing. Okay, here's what we've got for you today. We've got for our first story, drill, baby, drill. For our second story, it's the end of streaming, at least in Russia. And for our third story, all in one app. For our first story, member states of the International Energy Agency, the IEA, agreed to release 60 million barrels of oil from their emergency reserves in an attempt to calm energy markets thrown into turmoil by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So let me break this down for you the IEA is made up of OECD countries, including Canada, and they decided yesterday to release the reserves. And that's enough to cover around 2% of global consumption for the next month. And this is all in response to volatile energy prices. Now, oil hit $105 per barrel yesterday on fears that Western sanctions against Russia would disrupt energy markets and reduce the supply of oil and gas, of which Russia supply 17% and 13% respectively. That's a lot of oil and gas coming from Russia. Now, here's why it all matters. Western countries are trying to punish Russia without also causing energy prices to surge in their own countries. It's a delicate balance. Now, by releasing some of its emergency reserves, the IEA aims to boost domestic energy supply and keep prices down. But that is only a short-term solution. The IEA's new supply is intended to last just for 30 days. The past week has exposed how vulnerable the global economy is to disruptions in the supply of oil and gas from Russia, which has some countries looking for longer-term fixes. For example, Germany, which gets more than half of its gas from Russia, said it would accelerate the construction of solar and wind energy and consider rebooting its shuttered nuclear plants. It just shut those down this year and already thinking about bringing them back as a way to hedge against Russia. And while this is great, even if governments act fast to create alternative power sources, Kicking the reliance on Russian energy will take years. Meanwhile, energy experts, untouched by Western sanctions, offer Russia's economy a lifeline and limit the effectiveness of Western response. Now, Russia is earning, by some estimates, up to $50 billion per month from energy experts. These dollars can then be used to buy rubles, supporting the value of the local currency, and preventing an inflationary spiral and also giving it some cushion against those exact sanctions. Now, expanding sanctions to include energy, however, with, as we just talked about, it would have a huge impact on Western economies. Now, in a research note, Goldman Sachs said they expect oil would rise to $125 per barrel, a drastic increase that would drive up inflation, likely forcing central banks to hike rates and potentially triggering a recession. Folks, there's a lot going on here, and that brings us to the bottom line, which is there are no straightforward answers when it comes to conflict in a globalized economy. Everyone is so interconnected now that it's hard to sanction a country and then also protect your own domestic interests at the same time. So we're all trying to navigate this together. For a second story, Netflix is the latest tech company to take a side in the Ukrainian-Russian war, opening up a Pandora's box of questions around the ethics of censorship during the conflict. Now, here's what's happening. So the global streaming giant has taken a hard line against adding 20 Russian channels to its platform. And this is in defiance of new measures imposed by the country's media regulator. And just like how Jay can't speak French, I really can't speak Russian, so I'm going to give this my best shot, but I apologize in advance. Ross That's a tough one. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Now, Russia's Katrina TV law requires audiovisual services with an audience of over 100,000 viewers to carry the free state-run channels. Now, in response to the ongoing crisis in Ukraine, Netflix is standing firm and keeping the channels off of their platform, with a spokesperson saying, given the current situation, we have no plans to add these channels to our service. Now, here's why it matters. Western companies like YouTube, Google, Apple, Meta, and Netflix, they all face the same challenge in balancing demands for free speech with concerns that state-run outlets are using their platforms to spread propaganda. After the European Union banned Russia media outlet Russia Today and Sputnik, YouTube followed suit and blocked the channels from being viewed in Europe. Meta is also taking additional measures in response to state-sponsored content on their platforms. They said, we're now prohibiting Russian state media from running ads or monetizing on our platform anywhere in the world. This was Nathan Gleitscher, who's the company's head of security policy. Now, limited communication and access to information could be big tech's version of sanctions imposed on Russia. But the question is, where do you draw the line? Yes, social media is capable of spreading propaganda, but it also keeps accurate information flowing between citizens. Now, this is what Nick Clegg said, who's the vice president of public affairs at Facebook, Ordinary Russians are using our apps to express themselves and organize for action. We want them to continue to make their voices heard, share what's happening, and organize through Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger. Now, as you can see, it's pretty complicated to figure out what do you continue to allow operating in Russia, and then what do you cut off? And just like before with the oil story, everyone's trying to navigate this difficult new territory. For our last story, and that, you know, I, I recognize that these past few episodes have been heavy on Ukraine and Russia, but that's just the biggest story in the world now. So we're going to take it a step back and do something a bit lighter. Uber is introducing a new feature that will allow users to make reservations, buy tickets for events, and organize their transportation to and from all in one app. This would have been useful when I was supposed to go see Casey Musgraves in Toronto a few nights ago until she canceled the show at 5pm, three hours before it was supposed to begin. Anyways, This all sounds pretty convenient. I don't want to complain anymore. This all sounds pretty convenient. And here's how the new feature works. It's called Uber Explore, and it helps you curate your night out. The new features will show riders' recommendations for trendy restaurants, clubs, cultural events, and concerts nearby. Uber integrated the Yelp app into the service to recommend restaurants and facilitate reservations. Riders can also read reviews and see photos of their future meals. Now, it also offers seamless purchasing for tickets to events, personalized recommendations, a ride there now function, eliminating the need to enter your destination address, and a 15% discount on rides, but only up to $10. Don't get too excited. And let me tell you why this all matters. I know it seems trivial, but the introduction of Uber Explorer poses the question, can one company take care of all of your needs? Furthermore, should it? This is what Amazon's trying to do. And now Uber's trying to do that, but just adding in the kind of real world, whereas Amazon does this for goods. Uber Explorer will use Uber and Uber Eats data to forecast individual preferences based on past transactions. And it knows a lot about you. Geographic location, food preferences, budget, are you an Uber pool person? Do you pay the extra $1.50 priority fee when you order takeout? I do neither of those. And here's a thought experiment. Let's say you take an Uber to your ex's house at 3am after a night at the bar. Now, do you want the app to anticipate that you'll want an A&W bacon egger in the morning? Or how your ex takes their coffee? I'll say... by the way, this is not a personal example. This is an example that could happen. And I think in both cases, no, you don't want, uh, you do not want Uber to know any of that. And so this is is an Uber's first expansion outside of ride sharing. Uber Eats was launched in 2014 and has since become an enormous source of revenue for the company, increasing earnings every quarter and generating $8.3 billion of revenue in 2021. And while Uber has not confirmed that it will be taking a cut from any ticket sales made through Uber Wallet, this new feature could be an attempt to lure more users onto the app. And I need to repeat that that is not a personal example that I just gave. Uh, It's just one that may have happened to someone I know. So we'll leave it there. Anyways, Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, Thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting this all together. Thank you, Dale. Jay, wherever you are, thank you to you too. And I hope you all have a great day.